Hello and welcome to the podcast. This welcome. Is, this is a new everybody. podcast. It, it might have been like demon possessed. It was a fairly large, mutated-looking chicken. We were born in the north, but we grew up in the south. We learned all of our words from Pennsylvania. And people are like, that's toboggan. That little toboggan it's not there. a toboggan. A toboggan is a sled. Okay. Yo, it's three inches, baby. <laughs> Dude, I can't take it. Hello, thank you for joining me this week i'm super excited that you guys are watching you might notice this looks a little bit different um as far as the setup goes well that would be because i am doing this podcast by myself this week um part of that i'm going to give joshua a call here in just a few minutes but a part of that is because joshua has come down with a little bit of the pandy pandy, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Joshua has COVID-19. He contracted the coronavirus. And everything's okay. He's doing all right. I'm going to give him a call here in just a few minutes. He's actually on the mend. But um, I'll talk to him about that a little bit later, um, here in a few minutes. But I just wanted to start off by saying welcome to the channel this is not how we normally do it usually it's myself and my brother here doing the podcast together and we talk about interesting stuff um, related to filmmaking and related to stories and related to geeky topics um, if you go back and watch last week's episode we talked about tolkien and the languages he came up with for middle earth and it was a really cool episode but um yeah, so I'm going to be here Rush Limbaughing it a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> a solo podcast, a solo talk show a little bit. And I'm going to channel my inner ability to talk about topics. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I'm going to kind of let my mind wander and uh, just go through a few interesting things that come to mind as we go through this experience. So, again, I'm glad you're here. Um Really excited that you uh, have clicked on this video. I would encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Um, leave a comment. Let me know that you are here. Let me and my brother know that you're here and you're excited to be a part of the Wise Works podcast audience. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give Joshua a call. We'll touch base with him briefly about what's going on in his world, if that's cool with everybody else. I guess you don't really have a say in the matter, so... Let's call him. Hello. Hey, Joshua. You're on the podcast. Uh, so I guess uh, I did a little bit of an intro, letting people know kind of what's going on. But tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on with you. I guess um, maybe tell a little bit about, you know, what your experience was having missed out on the holiday and whatnot. And then also just kind of maybe what has the symptoms been like for people that are interested who haven't got the sickness, um, the COVID, I guess. Explain a little bit about what it's been like for you since you've been kind of under the weather for a few days. Um, well, it first started out. I kind of had a fever. Um, that's kind of how it first started out. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people said that they, if they had COVID, a lot of them lost taste and smell. Yeah. I I lost most of my smell, but the taste, it didn't fully go away. Yeah. Um, I, I could still taste. I think it went away a little bit, but not fully. Mm. Um, uh, I, I was coughing a lot. Um, it kind of felt like when I was coughing that I was coughing. I was almost coughing something up, like like from my lungs. I was coughing, mm. um, and so it was a little bit hard to breathe in that way. And my throat was really sore. Has um, this uh, ha has this has this been a different experience than other sicknesses, like maybe the flu that you've had in the past? Like, is it worse? Is it the same thing or is it similar like what what are you thinking um it may be a little bit worse and not too 
much worse. It's kind of very similar to what you think like the flu would be. Mm-hmm. Almost like the flu and like a sore throat combined. Kind of like strep throat maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it seems like it has lingered a bit longer than a normal flu would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess that's because of my body. It It's not used to this type of virus and so it can't fight it off as fast yeah um how uh what wednesday was the first wednesday morning was or tuesday night really was the first signs of getting a fever and i think till about like i mean today's uh monday uh up until like yesterday i really have felt kind of uh really pretty much sick so yeah it's been that long would you and say that now, you're you're on the mend a little yeah i would say that um i still have like a sore throat and uh it's a little bit hard to eat heavy foods sometimes mm. or like swallow a lot but yes okay this is a little bit interesting um just the fact that i mean we've been going through this whole period of time and Neither of us have got it until now, um, and it, there's like a rise in it. There's a lot of people getting it right now. Um, how long, just just for people that might be curious, how long did it take for from when you got exposed to when you started showing symptoms? Like, what was that breeding period for the virus? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure when I got exposed to it. Um, so what you're thinking of is... I was around a coworker on Friday working. I work a Monday through Friday job. Mm-hmm. And on Friday, I worked with him. Um, I was all around him and stuff. On Sunday, I get a message on Facebook from him saying that he was starting to show symptoms. and could just be watching if I got, if I was starting to show any symptoms because I was around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, that was Friday. It's Sunday already, and I haven't shown any symptoms. Yeah. So I've been thinking anything of it. Around Tuesday, I started showing symptoms. Um, I think um, that's the person I know I was around that had it. Um, but I am not 100% sure because I do work in retail, and I'm around people all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, my work is requiring us to wear, like, safety mask i mean just like medical masks mm-hmm. but that's not 100 percent, you know completely keeping us from the virus so yeah so it was a few it was a few days you think you might know who it was yeah, that for, gave it to you but you're not entirely sure, sure like i'm thinking like probably three or four days um i was around someone till i started showing symptoms now it could have been I could have been around other people, but for sure I know one person that yeah. had it that was around. Um, tell, tell me this. Uh, just for maybe the possibility of immunity or antibodies or something of having it once and hopefully never getting it again, um, that your body's experienced the virus a little bit, do you think it's worth to go through or for in your personal experience, not recommending anybody do this, but or do you you kind of glad you got it so you can get it over with? Like, what's your mindset there? Um, no, I think. I mean, I don't know because up until now, I I was really kind of I kind of had the mindset of oh, I'm not going to get the virus. Mm. Um, it's been what since March, and I haven't even got it. So. Yeah. I don't. I didn't think I would ever get it myself, to be honest, until I started showing symptoms. Yeah. And then actually, when even when I started showing symptoms, I'm like, maybe I just have another sickness. And yeah. then until I actually got my positive COVID test, that I fully knew I like that I had it. Yeah. Um, but for someone else, no, I would not recommend getting it. <laughs> I I definitely think the quarantine aspect in it in itself is very kind of difficult i mean i'm still in it right now the yeah. quarantine process but 
um, that combined with being sick is just, it's a little bit difficult, so. Gotcha. Well, uh, I'll just, I'll let you go in a second, but I want to see, have you been watching any good movies or shows since you've been sick? <laughs> um, yes, um. <laughs> what? Um, I don't know, a lot of different things. What have you been watching? You just laughed. Nothing specifically. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Anything that's interesting that new you'd like to give a shout-out or a recommendation? As of now, no. Um, maybe... You've been re-watching? Re-watching and dabbling in some things, but I don't know if I would recommend anything yet. I will watch a little bit more, and then I'll recommend maybe... Hey, have you? Did you watch that Queen's Gambit on Netflix? I told you to watch. I started it and I couldn't sit with it enough to get interested. Usually, for me in shows, it takes a little bit to get into. Yeah. I couldn't sit with it enough to get interested in it. Maybe I'll get back to it. But. Gotcha. Well, I finished it. It's really good. It's a really good, just simple. Well, not very simple, but kind of sim- simple story about an individual and chess playing and stuff and I like it. It's got me on kind of a chess a chess playing bend, I guess. I was playing you some over the phone and I was playing uh computers with an app that I got. I was getting all in kind of chess, I guess. And it just it's a fun time. Anyways, uh I guess I'll let you go. Thanks for filling us in a little bit on what's going on with you and uh explaining a little bit of the virus. You have any last words you like to say to people in regards to the virus or yourself or really anything? Um not really. Um I guess um I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and uh Hopefully this means we'll be all set for Christmas and whatnot. Uh, and we did kind of spend, both me and Kenzie and you, spent Thanksgiving here in Virginia Beach without going and visiting family, like we said on the podcast previously, because of the exposure, possible exposure, and for Joshua, um, definite definite exposure and contraction of the virus. So we didn't go home or anything. We just stayed quarantined for the holiday but, um, yeah, a little bit of a bummer, but it was okay. Made it through. All right. I'll, uh, I'm going to continue the podcast, Joshua. I appreciate it. Go uh, get some sleep. All right. Well, I hope you guys uh, found that insightful. I hope you found it helpful, interesting, at least, to understand. Oh, by the way, surprise. The COVID conspiracy is not a conspiracy. It's actually a thing. It actually exists. (laughs) I know because my brother right down the road has it currently. So um, anyway, hope you guys found that insightful. Hope you found that interesting to hear Joshua talk about it a little bit. And uh, But on a more uplifting note, I'm going to talk through film-related stuff. I might get into some geeky stuff, some ideas, might even do, I don't know, some impersonations. Who knows where this podcast will lead, but I'm going to do this on a solo. Uh, So just sit back, relax, do your chores, whatever you do when you like to listen to podcasts, and just enjoy me talking about some stuff. The first thing I would like to bring up is I was, well, since I've been quarantining a little bit i've been re-watching game of thrones so it went all the way back to season one and i'm re-watching some game of thrones and just shout out it's an amazing show it is an adult show so if you have VidAngel or something that you can you know an airplane so if you can have VidAngel or something that you can cut out certain things in the show so you don't have to view them that's great if you don't uh, mind or it doesn't bother you or you don't care you can just watch it as is but either way the writing in this show is fantastic the storytelling is brilliant the character development is amazing however I'm going to bash on them for one scene in particular that I do have pulled up here 
and I'm going to go through a little bit of the technical side of things. So the lighting in particular. So I was watching this scene, and if you know anything about Game of Thrones, you know there is a big ice wall that was built that separates the south of Westeros and the north. And uh, it's to keep out people called wildlings. Um, it's to, that the people in the south consider to be um, rapers and thieves and just bad people, right? And then there's also other dangers in the north people refer to as the White Walkers. It's no surprise if you know anything about Game of Thrones. But I thought I would go ahead and play a scene from season one that I noticed. And this is a couple characters, Sam and John. They're on the wall. They're having a conversation. I'm not going to play the audio for you, I don't think. Um, I'm just going to record the screen. And I am going to show you a little bit of the light setup. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because this is a filmmaker's podcast, a geek podcast, and a storytelling podcast. And so I thought I'd like to break down one mistake that really agitated me in this specific scene of Game of Thrones Season 1 that I couldn't look past, and I had to bring it up here on the podcast. So, it's involving the lights. It's involving the light sources and the lighting setup. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start uh, recording. And um, let's see... Click to record full screen. Gotcha. We are recording. Just for editing purposes, so I know that's where it is. So right off the bat, I want to point this out. So we got Sam here, and we got John here. They're on the wall. It's snowy all around. They're at the top of the wall. They're on the Night's Watch. It's the name of the people that... Uh, that uh, arm the wall, basically, to keep everyone safe, to make sure that no one storms the wall, gets through and gets into the south, and compromises the rest of Westeros. So, let's break this down really quickly. First off, the light sources are these little flaming lamps. As we can see, there's a little bit of light all around them here in the background. Um, but that's mostly supposed to emulate moonlight. They did a good job there. Um, all the textures come through really nicely. But the main source of light are these little lamps. I believe there's another one right over here by uh, behind John's head. So let's play through this for a second. All right, so we see the flames. There's even one down here on the ground. All right. So right away, we understand that they obviously, to get the lights set up correctly for a scene like this, the light sources for the characters are supposed to be these, these flames. But for a camera, that is not enough light. So there are, obviously, lights set up in different places above the camera, off camera, to give to put light on the characters, put light on the background. That moonlight you see in the background, that's not actual moonlight, that's actually artificial light. So that's pretty obvious. Uh, I don't want to insult your intelligence, but I'm just saying that to point it out. So let's look. Right now, this is really good lighting because we have a light here on John's face, but it looks like the light's coming from behind him, which makes sense because we have a light source here and here and probably one behind his head. There's also a light source down here at the bottom. So it makes sense that you'd put a little bit of a light right here to make it seem as though the light source is behind him. Same with Sam. It looks as though they probably have a light shooting straight through this little, um, to these two columns here, and it's shining on the side of his face. The light's pointed towards where the light source is. Let's keep playing. And they're just talking, going through. All right, right here, we go back. He turns around. The camera switches from one side to the other side. Now we're in front, facing John straight on instead of Sam and that two-shot. This is still a really good lighting setup. It's a soft glow on the side of the face that's away from where the camera is. So basically, what that means for good lighting setup is when two characters are interacting... 
there's a thing called the 180 degree rule. I'm not going to explain it much, but I will say there's a line between one character's nose. Let's say this is the other character's nose. You are to imagine there's a line running from here through here, and it also runs through the head and through the body, depending on where the characters are facing. They're going to be looking at each other. So when you're filming, you either want to pick this side for the camera to stay on or this side for the camera to stay on. You don't always have to do this, but the most cinematic lighting you're going to do for a basic camera shoot of this nature is to take the light source and make sure it is on the side opposite to where the camera is on. So if me and Billy here, Billy the mic, are talking and we choose to put the camera on this side, that means that the way you're looking right now should be the light that's pointing at me. But let's make this a little easier. Let's say the camera is the camera looking at me and this microphone is the other character looking at me. That would mean my light source should be on this side of me if you want really good cinematic lighting. So the, the side of the face that's closest to the camera is gonna have a nice dark shadow. That's exactly what we're seeing here with Jon Snow. He is going to look off to the right side of the camera. His nose is pointing towards the right side of the frame. And so that means it's a classic kind of over the shoulder, close up, whatever you wanna call it. They, they switch back and forth between these. But it's really good lighting right now. Now, we're gonna keep playing through. I hope that made sense. And let's, uh, let's keep going, hold on. All right. Go back to this, still good. This is an over-the-shoulder shot. You see a little bit of Jon Snow's coat looking at Sam. And Sam's eye line and his nose is slightly pointed off to the left side. So as you can see, they have picked the side the camera's gonna stay on. This is a good example of that rule, the 180-degree rule. But as we will see as we move farther, it is not a good illustration of how to light your subjects. Still looking good, still looking good. Everything up to this point's looking good. All right, so right now we have an example of our light sources. We have a light source here, we have a light source here, we have a light source out here. Now let's pay attention. Everything out beyond the wall, so pretty much right over here past John is a maybe a mile high drop off. This is a gigantic wall in the show, very epic. However, Everything past this point is all moonlight. There's nothing on the wall down at this point, right? And we'll see another shot of this coming up. But there's no light source past the edge of this wall, which happens to be right past where John is standing. All right. Everything up to this point looks fine, right? Uh, Sam stepped into some darkness, Right, And if you watch the show, you know Sam's a little scared of heights, and that's kind of what they're talking about in this scene, things that he's scared of. And, um, and all the light sources, they, they're all behind Sam. So now he's kind of stepped into the darkness, which is really good. It makes sense as far as lighting goes. All right, and here is the famous shot of the wall at night. You see John is real standing real close to the edge of the wall. It's like a mile drop off. Everything beyond that point is all dark. You can't see anything. A nice up shot. Now we also see that there is a little light source down by their feet. It is off. Base. Okay, so if I'm Sam, it's off to my right. If I'm John, it's off to my left. So the lighting should emulate this. It should be consistent. Everything that's on Sam, if I'm Sam, everything that's on this side of me should be dark, and I should be having my light source on this side of me. And with John, it's the opposite because they're facing each other. Light sources are the same. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Looking over, he's scared to get close to the edge. Still looks good. Sam's a little bit in the darkness, but the light sources are still there, correct. And we're going to keep playing through at real time. Good lighting on John. Close up, and here is the offender. Okay, this bothered me so much. As you can see, out of everything I have explained up to this point, this should be obvious. 
the light that is on his face is on the opposite side that it should be. The lighting <laughs> is on the same side as the camera, which is not a bad thing, but the light sources for every other shot, every other shot in this scene has been on the opposite side of where the camera was. The opposite side. John, it's consistent. You look at John's shot. Let's let's play through. You, if you go, we get when we get to John's shot. Oh man, look at this. This is terrible. You get the flame in the background. It's literally telling you. And they did a little bit of a backlight on him on that side to show the flame lighting up the backside of him. But we get to John once it gets back to his his part here. And look at that. His light is correct. Everything that is on John's right side and everything that's on Sam's left side should be dark, should be shadowed. Nothing but moonlight because literally the edge of the wall is right there. There's no light coming from that side of them. Yet, here we are. And we got, we saw that. There's no light hanging down off the side of the wall. We saw that in the wide shot that they just showed when Sam didn't want to get close to it. There's no light there. So, we step close to the edge. No light. Yet, we get to his close-up. And wouldn't you know, a light on the side that's supposed to be the edge of the wall where no light's coming from. This doesn't make sense to me. Because if we scroll through, right, we're going to scroll through and we're going to get back to this shot right here. Look at this. The, on John, it's consistent. The guy on the left, the long hair, it's consistent. The light source is coming from the flames, the torches in the background, and the torch at his feet. But Sam is not lit up the way he was on his close-up shot. It's not even close. He stepped into the darkness, and this is consistent with the lighting, the natural lighting. But they were like, ah, we need some light on his face. I would not have been as mad at this if they just said, okay, he stepped into the darkness for the wider two shots and whatever. But on the close-up, we're going to give him a little bit of light on the side of the face that's consistent with John. But no, I don't know if this was, this couldn't have been a creative decision because there's nothing creative about this. They just put the light on the wrong side. And obviously this is a set. They can move the light around wherever they want to. And they chose the wrong side. Now I'm not going to say <laughs> this was season one. I don't know what kind of crew. I don't know what kind of gaffer they're working with. I don't know what kind of people are on set. I do know the directors were not very experienced. But most of the time in budgeted films and shows the director doesn't have to be as directly directing where the lights being put the gaffer the dp these people should know this right all the director should have to say is hey where's the light source okay let's make the lighting look like that these directors didn't didn't catch this i'm not going to say i wouldn't i would not make this mistake but i am 25 years old Still going to be 25 for another seven months. I can tell you with certainty, if I was going through a show, if I was going through making a film, this would catch my eye. Now, I know the directors. I believe their names were Dan and David. They were not as experienced directors. They hadn't done very much. I don't know how much they've done at all, but they didn't do very much. And this really bothered me. I don't know why. But maybe, I thought maybe I could talk about this on the podcast and maybe I can point it out in a way that will cause other people who are interested in filmmaking, who are interested in lighting, who might be very new to the craft, that this is not how you light a scene. Other filmmakers, people who work in the professional world, they're going to see this 
And although the story's great, although the storytelling's very good, very high production, as the seasons went on, they got better and better and better up to the last season, which was visually amazing. Just the character development, the story kind of fell apart because they rushed it. But this is season one. I know that they're better than this because I've seen all the other scenes. So they might have just let it slip through and say, hey, we got to create 10 episodes, 45 minutes a piece, cut us some slack. And maybe I will at the end of this once I talk through it. But I have to say, this is filmmaking 101, right? And I'll tell you, I will tell you, I am very new to understanding these principles, I'm very new to training my eye to see this kind of stuff. So if you don't catch these kind of things, don't feel bad. It doesn't make doesn't mean that you aren't creative. It doesn't mean you can't pay attention to detail. It doesn't mean that you aren't a good filmmaker or director or gaffer or something of that, whatever your passion might be in related to filmmaking or the arts. Because this is a newfound thing that I have observed in myself to be able to see these kind of things. And I think that comes along with experience. It definitely comes along with experience. It comes along with trying your hardest to observe, trying your darndest to observe all of the shows, all of the movies you watch and see, is this lazy or is this industry standard? Is this laziness? Is this inexperience or... Is this experience? Is this wisdom? Is this knowledge? Is this creativity, right? When it comes to lighting for a movie, here's the difference. So you set up for a documentary. I would say, yes, if you're in a room, try to make it look like maybe the light source. If you have a window in frame or there's an obvious light source in your shot, well, do your best to try to make it look as beautiful as you can, but still follow the light source. With filmmaking, the light source is everything. That's why when I say filming outside, I haven't said this very many, I'll say it now many times, and I'll say it now. When filming outside, the best thing you can do is if you're artistically wanting to, now remember, everything has to be artistic. Everything should be artistic. So movies like Mad Max, the most recent one, they filmed it out in the desert, in the sunlight, everything. Everything's in the sunlight. Well, a lot of the shots, especially the wide ones, are going to show harsh shadows. When you get on the close-ups and you want to see details, you don't want those harsh shadows. They're going to shade the character enough to show... The details. So basically, here, here's another principle for filming outside and dealing with lighting. If you have direct sunlight, that's the the oddest lighting situation to be in. If you have if you're at golden hour, which is either like around 4 p.m., 5 p.m., depending on the time of the year. Um, basically, the sun's almost setting, but it's not quite gone, right? That's when a lot of photographers go out and they take pictures because it's going to be very beautiful sun. It's going to be light rays coming through trees. You can backlight with the sun. You can do all of these fancy things to make your photos look so much better without that much effort, right? When you're making a film, a lot of times you don't have the luxury of having a five-hour golden hour. A lot of times if if you see a movie that has a lot of golden hour shots, a lot of times they're just cutaways. A lot of times they're just thrown in the film to give a few beauty shots, and they're cutaways. They're not like big scenes happening in golden hour. Now, we talked about this recently on the podcast, The Mandalorian, right? In season one, they had kind of a golden hour shot where the sun is setting, but they are working in a studio with LED, with an LED room, essentially. They can put whatever they want on the wall, and it interacts with the camera's perspective depending on what the physical camera in studio is pointing at and how close it is with the character and everything. 
It's crazy technology. But I will say that no matter what happens in your scene, most of the time, you must emphasize on the characters the lighting that matches the source. And when I learned this, this principle has always been around, but I've never fully grasped this. So I went back and I watched some scenes from Path to Crimson. I will say it's a little bit of a cringe fest. It's okay. It's a part of the process of filmmaking. If everything you've made up to this point causes you to cringe, curl up, go to sleep, and just be like, oh, I'm never going to create anything again. I'm really bad at making films. Or I, I'm, gonna be, I'm never going to make it to be a good director. I can never... I'm just not a creative person because I look at what I've done and it's not any good. Hey, first off, let's pat ourselves on the back for maybe writing, directing, editing, and completing a film. And if you are able to market it and get a lot of people to watch it, bonus points, kudos. That's a task in itself to be able to visually see in your mind a story, write out the details, film those details with characters, with audio, with a camera, in the right perspectives. Do your darndest, once again, to follow some basic film rules of the, the nature in where the camera's placed, following the 180-degree rule in dialogue scenes, making sure you don't cross the axis. Maybe you already knew about this rule and you tried your hardest to make sure the light sources match on the character lighting where they're actually coming from, the directions. Maybe that's the case. But I was watching like Path to Crimson and I've, I, I broke this rule. I did the exact same thing as this many times. Now I will say one thing is when you're rushed on a film set, a lot of times you're just gonna be like, oh, I don't have time to worry about this. Let's just get it filmed, throw up a light so we can see the character and let's just film it and get it done. It's not going to be the best thing I'm ever going to film. It's not going to be the best thing I have filmed. But goodness, I just want to get this done. That's valid. That might be what they thought about here. But still, it's not an excuse, right? And I know they didn't know at this point that Game of Thrones was going to be a wild success. I know they didn't know that... Uh, people were going to be analyzing every little detail about it like I am tonight. Going all the way back to season one to analyze one scene of an exchange that only lasts, what, a minute? No, two minutes, roughly. Two minutes, ten seconds. And I'm analyzing it like crazy on a podcast. <laughs> During the season of 2020, the pandy, the pandemic. Listen. As creators, we're called to learn. Believe it or not, creators have to learn how to be creative. And it takes time. It takes processing. It takes questioning the crap out of everything you're told, right? It takes questioning a lot of stuff to get to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense why I would, uh, I would follow that rule. Or... It makes sense why I broke this rule in this circumstance. All of that to say is I've seen myself progress for the better in the world of filmmaking, in the world of analyzing, lighting, creative, visual shots. And it's taken a while for me to get to this point where I can see these things. But I just want you to know, you're not bad if you can't see them yet. You're not. It's not a bad thing. You're not a bad filmmaker. You're not a bad director. Not a bad cinematographer. It just means you have to keep going. Keep pushing forward. Keep learning. And that's a good thing. It's exciting. Think about this. Think about this. In two to three years, you could be on a YouTube channel. You could be on someone else's podcast. You could be watching a movie with your wife, your husband, your significant other, right? At home and then being like, what the heck? And everyone's like, what? And you're like, the lighting was all screwy in that scene. And this is like at a big show. Why did they do that? And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And then you're able to sort of sit back and be like, yeah, I have become better. 
I am becoming a better filmmaker. I am noticing the things that are important for me to notice, you know? And that's a good thing. It means you're learning. Believe it or not, even the most creative people are not that creative. They can't really see things. I am very much a visual person. But I can still struggle with seeing certain things, right? I struggle with noticing aspects and catching them. Things like this. These are professionals, a whole crew of people, and no one thought, hey, let's get Sam and John's lighting consistent for back and forth dialogue to make it look like the scene makes sense where the lighting source is coming from. But also, I will say the acting was on point. The characters being vulnerable was very good. The CGI, the, the special effects to add the wall, the set was built beautifully. There are so many things that got right. They look dirty and wet and like, they, they don't look sweaty like they're hot, but they look sweaty like they're they're wet, they've been rained on by snow, they look grimy, you know, they look tired, but they messed up with one thing, and boy, oh boy, I called them out, and they don't care. The reason why I did this, two reasons, I want people to know that the best make mistakes, and I also want you to know that because even the best make mistakes, you're allowed to make mistakes also. You're allowed to learn and also to acknowledge that it takes time to learn. And you don't have to be the best. You can still create an amazing product while messing up over and over and over again, right? I mean, there was recently, I believe there was a dude on The Mandalorian's most recent episode. At this point, I think it will have been out for two weeks. But there was an episode, or three weeks, or something like that. There's an, uh, one of the episodes that I watched. I didn't catch it, but there are so many people online that are like, "Hey, one of the crew members, their <laughs> their shoulder and their leg is sticking out of the corner, around the corner from where the characters are supposed to be walking." It's probably a guy holding a microphone. It was probably a guy. He's wearing jeans, a t-shirt. There's memes going around about how they're creating action figures of the jeans and t-shirt guy, where it's just like his half of his torso and one leg <laughs> an action figure that's labeled star wars and stuff <laughs> i love that that's a beautiful thing about the internet and that's a beautiful thing why i can do what i'm doing right now but the other thing was that i want to use this as an exercise to take a very clear clean cut scene and say hey this is an example of what you shouldn't do so you can visually see it, right? And if this is the place you start, if you've never really analyzed lighting in this way, and this is where you start, and that's a great place to start. Start noticing when you're watching scenes, start thinking about, hey, where's the light source on? Is the light source coming from the opposite side of the axis from where the camera is? Are they crossing the line with the camera that they shouldn't be doing? unless they show the crossing of the line. Let me briefly explain the 180 degree rule. Pretty much it's, uh, as I said, you choose a side to stay on. By no means should, well, let me back this up. I'll, I'll use this as a good example of 180 degree rules. So you have a two shot, obviously. Um, Sam is on the right side of the frame. John is on the left, right? We move forward. What do we see? We see a little bit of a shadow on the right side that is Sam's shoulder. But guess what? Sam is still on the right side of the screen, and John is still on the left side, even though the shot has changed and it's an over-the-shoulder. Now let's look at this. We see over-the-shoulder of John. He is on the left side still, and Sam excuse me, is still on the right side. Let's play through, stays this way consistently, even way back at the beginning where they introduced Sam on the right, John on the left, Sam on the right, John on the left. Now this is the one mistake, which it wasn't a super big mistake, and we can kind of, they probably thought of this, but as we see when this shot starts, right, 
Sam is still technically on the right side and John is on the left. But in this shot, you kind of see Sam heading towards crossing. But before he does, they put him back on the right side. And he's still on the right side with John on the left, even in this wide shot. It's like that consistently throughout the whole scene until we get to the end right here where we go back to that shot where we saw Sam going to cross. For some reason, they wanted to use this as an end shot. Me personally, if I was filming this, I don't know why I would choose this shot as the end. Maybe they just wanted to show a little bit more of the shot because they took time to film it and they're like, ah, throw it in there. No one will, no one will care. Um, but I wouldn't have personally chosen this shot at the end. But we also did see Sam walking towards crossing the axis. But we then we get confused because the rest of the scene, they're on the same axis the whole time. The entire scene, they're on the same axis and they never crossed, except it was implied that Sam crossed for that specific shot. And then we get to the end and all of a sudden now they switch sides. Now John is on the right side and Sam is on the left. I wouldn't have chosen that shot. I probably would have gone back to the wide shot here of them looking over the wall for them laughing at each other to end the scene. I would have chosen that, probably, to stay consistent. Um, but hey, I wasn't the one that was able that was given the responsibility to film this and I'm just analyzing it. That's the 180 degree rule. Without unnecessary breaking of the rule, you should try your best to keep within the rule because it's important. Well, there's reasons why these were set up. For example, the 180 degree rule was set up so you don't confuse the audience by causing the characters to switch sides of the frame constantly. I remember this one film that I was working on. It was a Christian film. Very poorly made. It's been years since I've worked for it. I'm not proud of it at all. It was very poorly made. And I was the director of photography. However, the director was not giving me any responsibility to be able to guide the creative vision of the camera, right? And uh, that's not what a director should do, especially when the director is being told by someone 20, 25 years younger than him, that he's doing something that is adolescent in the filmmaking world. The 180 degree rule is like basic stuff. It's the ground level of putting a scene together that you should know, right? And he wouldn't listen. So the whole time when we were filming, imagine this. So this is my character I'm talking to. Let's say the camera is what you're looking at right now. I'm talking to this character. All of a sudden it switches. The camera frame, now you see the microphone on this side. Now you see the microphone on this side and my head is right here. Do you see what I mean? You see what I mean? The camera never moved. It moved, of course it moved, and the background changed because we were pointing a different direction, but we crossed the line. So if the camera's on this side, then that means the camera should be looking over my shoulder on this side, not the other way around where all of a sudden the camera's on this side, and now the camera's on this side facing the same direction. It was the worst example of over the shoulder I've ever seen in my life, and I was trying to correct it, and he wouldn't have it. He basically told me to shut up which I did, and I let it play out. So I've done bigger violations than what I'm correcting here on films that I've been a part of, even though I have tried to fix them on set. Lighting is something that's kind of newer to, for me, not brand new. I understand lighting at a basic level when you get to the really high ups, when you get to the most experienced, most creative lighting individuals in the Hollywood, in the filmmaking industry, I am but a wee child. But I'm able to notice things of this nature. Um, I don't think I ever explained way back uh, when I was talking about Mad Max. But when you're filming outside, to shade the sun when you're getting closer. The reason for that is because you don't want those harsh shadows covering up the eyes or under the nose or under the chin. You want it to almost look like it's cloudy. You ever go outside and it's cloudy outside and everything's just soft? Everything's like 
like a soft light, right? Almost like you see right on me right now. I wouldn't say I have any harsh shadows. I have shadows probably on this side of my face. I have shadows um, maybe a little bit down here. I don't know exactly. I'm not looking at the camera right now. But I have shadows, but they're soft. They're not harsh. Now, you look at this guy on this scene. He's got some harsh shadows. As John see, as you can see here, John, it's kind of a softer, not a super hard line, but it's pretty harsh right here on his forehead, going down under his eye and hiding the nose. They did a great job with the catch lights, though. You can see where his eye is. His eye doesn't disappear because of his catch lights. That's really good filmmaking. It's really good. Catch lights are the little blink of light that's in your eye. I believe I have some right now. Can you see them? Anyways, if you want harsh light, like at night, where you have a light source like candlelight or a fire pit or something, you're going to get harsh shadows. If you're out in the sun, a lot of times you'll have harsh shadows, but you can trick the audience. Almost like people were being tricked by this scene, where you were at the wide shot, and it's so obvious he's in the shadows right here. Then you cut to his close-up, and all of a sudden he has a light on his face, right? Most people didn't see that. You can trick the audience and be like, oh, well, it's still sunny out. It's still bright, but people aren't noticing the harsh shadows are gone. Everything's soft. I always do that. Unless I'm creatively choosing to not sh shade with like a reflector, a white silk, to shade the sun on my characters while I'm filming outside in direct sunlight, for an artistic choice, then I always do it. I kind of have this personal rule that I think is actually pretty good that I try to follow. As I say, I'm not going to break a rule in filmmaking. I'm not going to break a rule unless I feel like I must. Unless I feel as though the creative expression of this film must break the rule. And when... Are you breaking a rule correctly? Which sounds which sounds odd. Break a rule correctly? Break a rule intentionally? You shouldn't do that necessarily. But in the world of filmmaking, you can break rules correctly. And there are ways you can break them incorrectly. And by breaking them incorrectly is to be unaware of them and going around making movies and filming scenes and breaking the rules willy-nilly with no reason or purpose or rhythm or rhyme to your actions. You're just throwing things together and you don't have any concept of what is artistic, creative, visual storytelling. A lot of people do it. I follow quite a few indie filmmaker pages. I will tell you a lot of people out there that consider themselves indie filmmakers, right? are not that good at what they do. They're not good at all. I just had a thought. I think I'm going to try this out. I'm going to pull up Greater Remembering. It's the most recent short film that me and my brother did. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Where are you? Greater Remembering. All right. Okay. Let me make this full screen. All right, so we start with open water, us two walking, right? This, I will say, I broke some rules intentionally. So if we're shooting from behind, right, then that means I am probably going to be breaking some rules if I show our faces because we're literally crossing the axis. Um, I intentionally broke this because I know people weren't going to care that much or it's not going to be confusing visually. But there is something I noticed later on that I broke unintentionally, partially, not because I wasn't aware, but partially because we were short of time and I didn't think through it well enough, okay? So, when we get up here, we see that... I, well, he's kind of directly behind me, so that's not a good shot for an example. Right now, I haven't broken anything, but I have now with this shot established that I am on the left side and Joshua's on the right side. He's behind me, but that is the case. Joshua, his, 
he should be facing slightly to his, if he's looking at me when he's talking, slightly on the right side of the frame looking towards the left, right? And I, with that's a two shot, should be referring to him behind me over my shoulder, which is what I do, okay? Just in like this shot, right? So if I play forward and then I cut to Joshua's close-up, now this is where I broke the rule. See, now Joshua's closer to the left side of the frame and he's facing off to the right, which it should be the other way. He could be center. He should probably be center or slightly to the right and facing slightly off to the left. But I didn't do that. I switched it up and I just set up the camera thinking, oh, this is correct. This is close. But I wasn't thinking through what actually he should be facing towards, right? So this was an unintentional example. My most recent film, me and Joshua's most recent film of breaking the rule, the 180 degree rule. And it was, I kind of got confused because I was facing away from him and I was referring to him behind me and Joshua was facing straight on. And it wasn't really moving. That's what got me confused. But still, I should have thought through it a little bit more. Let me see if there's an example. Okay, so this is just side shots. It's pretty clear. All right, so here's a good example of an over-the-shoulder shot that we did correctly, right? So I come and sit down. Um, we got Joshua's head popping in. It's over the shoulder of me with Joshua on the right side and me on the left. And as you can see, um, as we as we sat down, you can kind of see me pop in right there. My hair going crazy. Popping in down to the left side so people can see that real quickly that I am on the left side and Josh was facing the left side while he is on the right. And I am on the left side facing the right side. There we go. And we're having a conversation back and forth of about the the great beast as we're trying to ride the back to get to the city of greater remembering. Yet we are filming it in such a way that makes sense for the 180 degree rule. Now this is also an example of lighting. We it was cloudy out, believe it or not. It was cloudy most of the time. Now we did get some harsh lights, so it was a little bit not cloudy in certain parts, but this big rock was giving a shade so it gave us a nice light on our face, right? And all of this beforehand, all of these shots at the beginning, all of this was just with cloud cover. And it didn't give us too hard of shadows. It gave us a nice, even light to color correct with in the editing. So overall, this was done really well, except for that one moment of rule breaking by accident. I hope that that long spiel about lighting about the 180 degree rule, about breaking down a little bit of what's going on in the world of creating a scene for a movie and production made sense. I hope that it was informative and I hope that uh, I hope that it wasn't a dull affair, <laughs> but that it was actually educational. Again, I want to just pound into your head. That if you are interested in filmmaking and you are not on this level of observing things as far as where the light's coming from. And I, I, I said that a little pretentiously. Let me go back and say it's not a level you have to achieve. It's not like come at my come be at my level. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that. I'm nowhere near any kind of level that should be envied. All I'm saying is that. There are things that you learn as you go farther. There are things that you learn the more times you do it. The more things you look at, the more things that you film, the more lighting setups you have to set up. Always go out and set those things up. Always go out and uh, pursue working to grow your skill, to grow your ability to set up to create, to structure, and edit a scene correctly that follows these rules unless you're intentionally breaking them for a reason that is a creative, intentional break and a correct way of breaking the rule, not unintentional, accidental. <laughs> 
and uh, and you'll get better. You will see improvement. You will love where you get, and you will get excited when you see yourself noticing things. And then all of a sudden, you stop enjoying films and shows as much because you can't get engrossed as much, and it becomes a curse because then you're like, man, I can't get involved in the world of Middle Earth as I used to. I can't be a pirate watching Jack Sparrow, you know, sword fight Barbosa in uh, near the Aztec gold, you know, in the caves, turning into skeletons whenever they enter moonlight. I can't go into Westeros. I can't go to King's Landing and experience the throne room because I'm looking at that throne and I'm thinking, it might be made of metal, but it's definitely not made of a thousand enemy swords. It's made of a chunk of metal, and they put a few design-looking metal pieces of sword on it to cover up the big chunk of metal. And it's hard to get into films after you know about these things and you start thinking about these things, but if it is your intention to pursue this as a career, as a hobby, as, a, as an interest, as a passion, as a creative expression, which is the, truly the way we want people to view it as, more than a money-making tool, more than a thing to fill up your time, but actual a passion and a love to express your creativity, that's what we want to see. Because that is going to effectively create the kind of content that we haven't seen before because you're passionate. That's what I strive to do. It's what I aim to do. It's what I will do, okay? I will do this. But you know, it takes time. It takes time to learn. And it's a good thing that we learn, and it's a good thing that we do. <laughs> it's a good thing that we learn, and it's a good thing that we do. Yes. I'm going to go real quick to end this podcast. I'm going to go over and do a quick plug for Olin Rogers since I still have my screen recording pulled up. Come on, come on. If you have not seen Olin Rogers on YouTube, I highly recommend you go check him out. This is what his channel looks like. He's got some awesome videos. He's got over a million subscribers. Oh, quick shout out to a knight's heart i know this is way more than me and joshua but he only got sixty-two thousand views on this guy and that was 10 months ago where a story that he posts has 123 man that's like that's almost double that is double that's more that's a little bit more than double what he got on his most recent comedy short film which was very good which was very good you know what? I'm going to pull this up and see how his lighting is real quick. I don't want to I don't want to rip off his his content, so I'm just going to scrub through and um take a quick look at how he set up his scene. Let's do this opening. Okay, so we have a fire. Oh dear. Do I already see a problem? No, I don't actually. That's good. All right, so it opens up. There's a fire. And we got uh, the two characters. I think we're going to cross the line a little bit, but it's a big wide shot. No one can really tell. Big old fire. That's a huge fire. I never really noticed that. It's a big, big freaking fire. Um, but yeah, we got the, uh, the knight standing up, the girl, the squire sitting down, and, uh, and they're about to have a conversation. The light source is off to, for her, if I'm her, it's going to be off to my left side. For him, it's off to his right. As we already see, yep, the light source is correct. We got the light, a dim shadow on the side of his face that's away from the fire. And maybe they had a huge fire. Maybe they just let the, the light be as natural as possible. And it worked out really well, and it was very clean cut. But yeah, I mean, consistently, the lighting looks great. Um, but he makes awesome short films. That's his most recent one that I really thoroughly enjoyed. You must, you must, you must go watch it. It's brilliant. The art, he, his lighting's correct. Maybe go through his video. See if all of his lighting is correct. See if all of his lighting is on point and come back to this video and put in the comments and say, hey, his lighting looks good or hey, maybe I noticed a little bit of something off in this one scene or on this one shot like you did in Game of Thrones. Come back and let me know. And please let me know if it's straight. Let me know if it's all good. 
uh, I really appreciate you guys taking time to watch this video. We have a podcast every week, once a week right now, for the video form on YouTube, here on the YouTube WiseWorks podcast channel. Uh, my brother's normally with me. We'll see if he's able to be with me next week or not. If not, I will probably be here again unless for some reason I get COVID and then I have to be sick in bed and he's going to record a podcast by himself. Who knows? We'll find out. But this week, I'm glad that you joined me all the way to the end of this episode. You're the best. You're really the best. We have a podcast on the video form here on the YouTube channel every week as well as clips. And we also have a pod, this podcast in audio form on Spotify. And hopefully I did a well enough job at describing verbally everything I was seeing so the audio listeners are not bored with this, po- with this episode, this podcast episode. We also have a very exciting show called The Midnight Special. It is a uh, a second audio-only podcast that's exclusively on the WiseWorks podcast Spotify page. You can go follow us on the Spotify page, listen to our midnight special. If you just prefer listening in general, you can do all of your listening for this podcast and all the other podcasts on Spotify. But if you like the video, listen to us on the video here on, on YouTube. And also, listen to our audio-only on Friday nights at 10 p.m., the midnight special, every single week. Uh, Subscribe, follow. Thank you so much for watching. Me and my brother will be back again once COVID passes. We both will be here to make geeks out of you. We're very excited you're here. Go subscribe to Olin Rogers. Watch his videos. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Send your love for my brother. Joshua, let him know um, the favorite. Let, let us know in the comments the favorite story you've ever heard him tell on the podcast. My personal favorite is uh, probably the arm breaking one, which was a long time ago. It's a rough story, but it's fun to reminisce on. <laughs> Anywho, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I love you. And I will see you, hopefully. Well, you will hear me hopefully in this week's episode of the Midnight Special coming Friday. Thank you and goodbye.